What's up, everybody? It's J&J with Justin and Jordan. What we got today, Justin? So today we will be recapping the Eastern and Western Conference Finals. And before we get into it, we got some breaking news. Our favorite, One of our favorite players of all time, Carmelo Anthony, just announced his retirement. And I wanted to just start the episode off with, what's your favorite Carmelo Anthony moment ever? Man, before I even go into the moments, bro, it's just... Mello, Mello is, you know, we was always going to be Nick fans, but Mello is what gave us hope, bro. Mello brought hope back to the garden. Remember the first game back with the I'm coming home? Even he said, like, yo, like, I was shaking. Like, that was one of the most nervous games he's played in his life, bro. He was already in the league for, like, seven years, and that's where he felt most nervous. He came home. Respect to Stoudemire as well. He was kind of like that first stage. But Mello really felt like he brought hope back to the garden, I appreciate everything Melo's done as a Nick. As far as like favorite Melo moments, man, as a Nick, I think his best moment is the Easter game. But man, I I know Melo was on a, you know kind of like a, a going down after he turned old. You know he wasn't he wasn't fi- he wasn't finishing his career like LeBron. You know, and they came together and thinking there was equals. It was equals for a certain amount of time. But even when he was older. One of my low-key favorite moments, underrated moments, was when Zion was guarding him. He said, pump fake jab, pump fake jab. <laughs> he could have drove in. Zion jumped. He just did another pump fake, another jab, and shot it in Zion's face. Man, I, I love Melo. As you said, Melo has been, you know, one of my top three favorite players of all time. It's between him, D-Wade, and Steve Nash, you know. Melo, Melo's been very important to me as a basketball fan, you know. Um, my, some of my first basketball memories... Includes, you know, NBA Live 2005, who was on the cover? Nuggets Mellow with the braids, you know? I wanted those braids for the longest time, and it was like, you know, I wasn't allowed to. I wasn't allowed to get those braids, but it's like, Mellow Mello was definitely like a basketball icon. I think he gets disrespected too much by the basketball community right now. I think he's one of the greatest scorers we've ever seen to ever play the game. And not only that, like, people forget that he was literally like the second best small forward for the longest time, only behind LeBron. And him and KD was equals until a certain amount of time, until like 2011. I think KD took off from Melo. But Melo, like I said, has been one of the best small forwards who's just in the shadow of LeBron. And the man needs his respect, you know? This guy was on pace to score 30,000 points at a certain point in his career. Of course, he slowed down. He had his injury in the 14 15 season that really slowed him down. I think the Rockets sabotaging his career and not, and not playing him really stopped him. That's why I knew, like, he's not getting 30000 But, man, Melo, Melo, I know you, I know, like, Melo was important for you, too, man. Like, talk to me about Melo as a Nick, as a Nugget, whatever, man, because I, I love Melo, bro. Uh, for me, Melo was, like, it was crazy because, like, when I was young and I didn't watch basketball, like, obviously, you know, like, the Michael Jordans, the LeBron James, the Kobe's. For me, Melo was one of those guys. I don't know why. He, I guess there was something about Melo. I guess me getting a NBA Live 05, that was the first basketball game I ever got. And having Melo on the cover, that was, like, my first introduction to it. And one of the first basketball games I ever watched when I was a kid, it was, like, a Nuggets-Laker game. And Melo was still in the Nuggets. And when he came to the Knicks, it was like, that was like a huge moment. Because at, at that point in time, I'm like, I don't even know if I would have been a Knicks fan if it wasn't for Melo. Because I was, at the, when I first started watching ball, I was a big Derrick Rose fan. So I was rooting for 
the Bulls. But then I'm always watching the Knicks games because they're always on MSG and all that. So I'm I'm always tuned into watching the Knicks games. So watching those those early 2010s Knicks teams, I was always drawn in, and Melo just slowly became like one of my favorite players. Just his game was like so smooth, and just watching him go up against all these guys, I felt like he was always kind of like one of the underdogs at a certain point because you always had they always had LeBron, Kevin Durant, all these guys, and then Melo. I feel like at a certain point they stopped having him in the conversation, but he was still putting up elite level production. And on my favorite Melo moment was the 60 ball against the the Bobcats in 2014. Were they the Hornets at that time? Or were they they were still the Bobcats. Bobcats. Last year was the Bobcats, yeah, I think. I was at that game. That was 2014, bro. That game was crazy. He had like 37 in the first half. He had a half-court shot. I was like, yeah. I still I wish I had the videos on my phone. I, I still had like a Samsung at that time. But that that was that was probably my favorite mellow moment. And then my favorite non Knicks mellow moment is probably I mean, he's done this with like almost all every team he's been on, but when he steals the rebounds from his teammates and he'd be like, Fuck out of here <laughs> <laughs> But yeah. Give me that shit, K Love. Yeah, when he, he always <laughs> be doing that shit. He can do that he, there's a whole compilation just him cursing his teammates. Yeah, Give me that shit. Get out of here, K Love. But yeah. The um, mellow, yeah, he's always gonna be right up there as one of my favorite players ever, getting me into the game. Um, I wish, I I kind of wish he stayed. Like, I mean, it's obvious not not up to him, but mm-hmm. I wish he got his thirty k, because I feel like the NBA feels some type of way that he's a top ten scorer of all time. Because you look down at that list of all the guys, and then you see mellow, and it's like, uh. So they're like, but yeah, I wish. He definitely deserves his flowers because a lot of a lot of young fans today don't really know how good Carmelo Anthony was, and they kind of just throw dirt on his name. I'm like, yo, if I was y'all, I would go back and watch some of these games, especially the 2009 Western Conference Finals when he was battling with Kobe. So, yeah, I would I would do y'all homework before y'all talk because Melo is really one of the ones, and he's a legend for real. Yeah, I, that's one thing I kind of want to focus on too. Of course, we want to give him his respect. But I definitely want to clear some things up because, like, how do you feel about the constant Melo disrespect? Because I think the problem is, you know, basketball always caters to the younger people, you know? You got the old head that, that are, like, fans, but it's, like, you see with baseball. Baseball is mostly, like, older people, you know? That's the, that's the fan base. Basketball is always going to cater to the younger guys. So, of course, you got these young teenagers. And the earliest Melo, like, memories is probably, like, what? A year or two with Kristaps Porzingis. And then after that, he's a Thunder. He's a Rocket. He's a Blazer. He's a Laker. At that point, you just see him, you know, like, oh, this guy's just a journeyman. He's an overrated journeyman. Uh, he plays no defense. He doesn't pass. He, he shoots the ball too much. But it's like you said, he was going toe-to-toe with Kobe in 2009. I think in that series, they were equals. Not the whole season, of course. You know, like, in a series, you and a guy could be equals, you know? There's games where Melo was outperforming LeBron James. You know, they was going toe-to-toe. They were rivals. Too many people forget that going inside 2003 draft, people saw us as like, this is Bird and Magic Part 2. Like, this is the next Bird and Magic rivalry. And you know what? For a couple of years, that did come true. That did come true, but unfortunately, you know, Melo didn't make it to the finals to play against LeBron. I think they only have one playoff series against each other. But, man, Melo... Melo was elite. Melo was a superstar. Melo at his peak was a top five player. A definitive top five player, bro. Pick, pick, pick 
Melo's best year, I guarantee the only guys ahead of him is like LeBron, Kobe, maybe Dwight. And that's it. Because, you know, Melo's best year was probably, what, 2009, 2010, 12, 13, you know? How many guys was better than him in those two seasons? Not too many. Not too many. 12, 13, for example, got an MVP vote. Some people think it wasn't deserved, you know, it took away LeBron's unanimous. But forget all of that because he was a top scorer that season. Only behind, as a player, I would say, LeBron and KD. Steph wasn't up there like that. Mm-mm. D. Rose was hurt. Kobe, he had a great season. I think Melo was better that season. There wasn't too many people better than Melo. Kobe had a good year, but the Lakers were not that good that year. They weren't, but you know, yeah. you know how I'm not like the biggest Kobe fan, but the reason they were decent instead of terrible was because of Kobe Bryant. Yeah. But in general, Melo was better than him that year. Dwight Howard was not in shit that year. So no. Melo, I would say, he was better than CP3. So he was the third best player in the world at that point. Forget top five. He was third best player in the world at that point. And I just think people got to recognize that, man. But like... For example, like what? How do you feel when you see people be like, "Oh, M- Melo's overrated. Melo's not that good, inefficient, chuck or whatever." I mean, it goes back to what you said with like a lot of young fans. Like they're watching Melo, and their first impression of him is him playing with Porzingis on the Knicks. Uh, it just comes down to like how much you really value your basketball knowledge and how much you love the game. Because someone like me, I'm the type of person if I want to learn about something. I like to know the history of it. So I may not have seen, like, Hakeem Olajuwon play, but I'm going to go back and do my research before I make a comment on it. Because for me, I'm not going to talk about something I have no knowledge of. So I'm going to do my research before I make a statement. So it just comes down to, like, how much you really value this thing. Are you really just saying it because you mean it? Or are you just saying it because that's what everybody else is saying and you don't really have your own opinion? So... I would just say, yeah, that's what I would just say to what you're saying. Yeah, I implore everybody that underrates Melo, that says Melo is, you know, not that good. I implore all of you to go watch Nuggets Melo. Not just highlights, not just highlights. The highlights make him look even better, to be honest. Because Nuggets Melo was super athletic, had some underrated dimes. I understand people say he don't play defense, but you know what? In that Western Conference final, like when he really wants it, he'll play defense. Would you want him to bring him, but for him to bring that, like all 82 games? Of course. But I know for a fact, I've seen it myself. When it matters, when it really matters, Melo is going to try to lock down. He's going to try to play defense, you know? He was he was an elite scorer. I'm not even a bad guy, but he had, he has a crazy bag. He really did have a crazy bag. Whatever year Melo you want to pick, he had a crazy bag. But man, I, I understand we're Knicks fans, but I think my favorite Melo really is Braids Melo. Braids Mello might be my favorite. He still had that athleticism. He was dunking on people. Still had that jab. More mid-range heavy. He had the three ball. The three ball was really going more as a Nick. But Nuggets Mello was my favorite, bro. Like, who who do you think was a better Mello? Nuggets or Knicks Mello? For me, I mean, Nuggets Mello, like, young Nuggets Mello, when he was, like, he was dunking on motherfuckers. So, it was, like, but for me, I like Knicks Mello more because just, I feel like his bag was so much more polished at that point. And his athleticism was kind of kind of fading, but he would still get to his spots and still bully people down low. He still had that quick first step. I mean, not not that quick first step, that quick jump. So like he'll miss, but he'll he'll get up mad quick for that rebound. Mm-hmm. That's another underrated part of Melo's game. He was a pretty good rebounder too. So yeah, he would just get go back up with those rebounds and just go up quick. And yeah, those jab steps that we always love to talk about, his shit was on point. 
um those Knicks years. So yeah. And another funny mellow moment was when he hit that game winner in Cleveland when he was on the Nuggets and LeBron started crying after the game. <laughs> that was another funny mellow moment. That was a good moment there too. But yeah. Another thing I want to say before we even end on mellow, bro, is just he's clutch, bro. Yeah. He's one of the most clutch players I've ever seen in my life. Like he he when I, I was never scared when he had the ball in the final seconds as a Nick. Not once was I scared. Every time I thought he was going to make the last shot, I thought he was going to make all the shots, you know, in the last two minutes when the game's down to the wire, you know. And, you know, sometimes he miss him, but guess what? Every single time I had faith in that man. There's not a lot of players where I'm like, all right, he has the ball. He's going to make every shot right now in the clutch. But Melo was one of the few guys that when he got the ball in the fourth, I thought everything was going in. And another thing is that a lot of people like to forget is like, Let's be real. It might sound a little crazy and people are going to say, oh, what about like K-Love or, you know, some other guys? I think, or, or Dirk, for example, right? Dirk does deserve his respect for it. But I think Melo as a player, even though he came in as a three, I think he really popularized the stretch four, bro. I think, you know, Dirk was a novelty. When Melo got moved to the four as a Nick. That's when it became like, yo, let's start making our small forwards stretch fours, you know? Let's really expand our offense. Those early 2010s Knicks, I understand the Warriors and the Rockets have a lot of credit for that too. I think the Knicks deserve the same amount of credit for, you know, changing the game as well to make it more three-point heavy. Of course, the other two teams, they took it, they ran. They took that, they took that concept and ran, you know, let's have all this stretching out. Let's have like four out, one in. But the Knicks deserve some of that credit, too. You know, like that 2013 Knicks teams, Melo was playing the four, shooting the shit out the ball from the three-point range, all those guys around him making threes, Tyson Chandler down the middle. I think I think he needs more credit for what he's done for the game, even the modern game right now, than he receives right now. But also, as we said, with Melo, Nuggets Melo, Knicks Melo, all that, speaking about the Nuggets, can we please talk about the West Conference Finals, bro? Because I don't know what's going on. To be honest with you, Justin, I, I really don't know what's going on right now in this series. We both said the series was going to go into seven, man. Um, we're obviously going to talk about the other series, too. But it's just, it looks insane that two of the most storied franchise in NBA history, the two most, are both getting embarrassed on a national stage right now. So talk to me. like, How do you feel about this series and the Nuggets having a 3-0 lead when we said this game is going to se- this series is going to seven definitely. Well, game one it was kind of like the Nuggets just had their way the whole game, and then the Lakers made their comeback, and they the Lakers had that game in game one, and then they couldn't pull it out, and then game two the Lakers were leading the whole game, and then just questionable decisions by LeBron in that game. And the, they let the they let the Nuggets come back into the game, and then the Nuggets just stole it. And it was a home game, so for them to steal that, it it wasn't looking good for. Them. I mean, the Nuggets were doing what they had to do, winning in their home court. So they're not really gonna get credit for that. It's really when you went on the road that's when it really matters. But it wasn't looking good for the Lakers either, because you couldn't steal one in Denver, and now you're going back to LA. And now you got to protect, you have to protect your home court at that point. And I believe both of these teams in the playoffs were undefeated at home. So I guess after game two, a lot of people were like, all right, we got a series now. We're going back to L.A. But then 
Saturday's game, game three, I felt like the Nuggets were in control for most of this game. And the the Lakers did tie it up in the third quarter. But Jamal Murray was having his way in the first half. He had 30 points in that first half. And Jokic didn't even really play his best basketball in this game, I feel like. And then that second half, they really started neutralizing on Jamal Murray. They're like, we're not letting him beat us. He only had seven points in the second half. But then Jokic really started to turn it on. He really started to play like that MVP, especially in that fourth quarter. So, and yeah, it's kind of scary when Jokic isn't even like going crazy like that and they're still able to win. And then Michael Porter Jr. hitting his timely shots and Bruce Brown giving his energy and then KCP being active again just really shows this Nuggets team is really... This was one of the reasons why I I really, really like this Denver team because they just been together all year. They we've known we've known about it this whole year because like with the Lakers, yeah, they had their two and ten start. They made a trade. It's not the same team that they started mm-hmm. with, but a lot of things happened throughout the season. Same thing with the other teams on the other side, like Miami and Boston. But Denver's been with the Denver's had their same group of guys this whole season. No drama, no nothing. They just been ready to compete and win this whole series. And yeah, this series is already looking over. It's it's a lot. This this Nuggets team is really good. Have a lot of firepower. To me, I don't really look at. I kn- I know we're gonna get into other series, but to me, I'm not really looking at the Lakers like a big like flop. But yeah, we had them going in seven. But this Nuggets team is really really good, and some people don't really see that. So before I even talk about the Lakers, because, you know, I agree with what Mike Malone's been saying, you know, the entire series is like, no one's talking about the Nuggets. You know, they're just saying like, this is why the Lakers are doing bad instead of this is why the Nuggets are doing good. So I'm going to start with what the Nuggets are doing right. And then later on, a little bit later on, we'll talk about, you know, what the Lakers are doing wrong. Because like, Mm -hmm. you know, Mike Malone literally said it himself. He's like, the media just wants to talk about the Lakers, the Lakers, the Lakers. We're up 2-0. This is when they was up 2-0. He's like, they just want to keep talking about the Lakers. They're not saying nothing about us because we're a small market team. But guess what? We take that, we feed into that, and we play even better. And it's true. What did I say last week when it came to series predictions? I said, you want to win games? It's not about stopping Jokic because Jokic is still going to get his shit in. You got to stop Jamal Murray. Yeah. Jamal Murray is averaging 35 points this series. You talked about how they, they sold him down for a half. Didn't even matter. Didn't matter. Did not matter. This last game, yeah, you said they sold him down in the second half. But guess what? Jokic starts feasting. I think the key, even though Jokic is the MVP, it's not saying, you know, Jamal Murray is the best player on the team. But it feels like he's more like the underrated key to winning this series and going on to win a championship. Whoever comes out the East, we know who's likely going to come out the East. If I'm them, I'm focusing the defense more on Jamal Murray. It sounds so crazy to say that, but it's the truth. Because he is just going off. He is just scoring at, like, will. Whenever he wants to score, he's going to score. Moving on to Jokic. Man, Jokic had a dominant game one first quarter. We're not even going to talk about the whole game yet. Just the first quarter. Feasting, bored, scoring. Passing the ball like a maniac. Shit was crazy. Looking crazy as hell. He had an incredible first quarter, bro. Dominant first quarter. Imagine saying that. Not dominant game, dominant first quarter. And he moves on to have a dominant game. You know when I knew game one was over, even though it got close at the end? When Jokic made that three in AD's face, bro. And AD just laughed, bro. He could not say anything. He It's just like Jokic entered that zone. 
and there's nothing more to do about it, you know? But besides that, like you said, the role players are playing really damn good. But the two main guys, man, they just they're just eating the Lakers up, bro. They're eating the Lakers up. At this point, I know we we kind of know most likely, unless a miracle happens. We've never seen a team come back from 3-0 down. Um, the only team in sports to even come back from 3-0 down, not just basketball, because it never happened in basketball in sports. It happened one time, if I'm not mistaken. The Red Sox. We don't want to talk about that right now. <laughs> I don't want to. I don't want to talk about what series. Just know it's in 2004. We're not talking about the name of the series. But I don't watch hockey. I don't know if hockey. Anyone's coming back from 3-0 down. I think Tampa Bay got cooked one day. Was 3-0, 3-1 up. Something like that. I could be wrong. But in basketball, 3-0 down has never been like overcome. And I'm not gonna be like some podcasters that want to entertain this thing just because the Lakers like can they do it? Can they do it? I'm sorry, they're not gonna do it. I think we've seen one 3-0 lead go to Game 7 one time. I think it was like a Dirk team versus the Blazers or something like that. Like, we saw one 3-0 team come back and make it seven games, so that's it. But at this point, it's looking like the Nuggets and the Heat. The Nuggets just look unstoppable right now. The Nuggets look incredible. And with their two main stars, I don't even know who's going to win the Magic Johnson Award, to be honest with you. Because they're both going off in their own respective ways, man. But, man, I think, I think Jokic is like... I think the MVP stuff, you know, he said he didn't care. I think that's kind of influencing how he's been playing this whole postseason like a maniac right now. And I think this is going to be just what Denver needs to win a championship. Nah, yeah, for sure. Denver's really they're really hot right now, getting it at the right time. Like you said, Jokic said he don't care about the MVP. But I feel like at this point, he's just like, let me just get that championship so I could just shut everybody up. And that's what I like. That's what he's been doing. To me, he was my MVP this year. It's easy to say that, <laughs> but yeah, he's really been showing it. He he goes. I feel like every year in the playoffs, he always elevates his game. He doesn't really shy away from the moments, and he doesn't deter from those those uh, key moments. But um, yeah, this Nuggets team is really really doing their thing. And for the Lakers, um, I know yeah, Austin Reeves has been a bright spot for them. D'Lo's been struggling. And LeBron's had his moments where you kind of just scratch your head in some of these games. I know Anthony Davis could have been better in game two, but in game three, he really showed out. And it's hard to game plan for Jokic because it's like you can't guard him in single coverage because he'll just destroy you. And then if you double team him, he's going to find the open guy. So there's a lot of adjustments that have to be made, but it's going to be tough. I've, I don't, I'm not going to entertain the possibility of the Lakers coming back. I think the Nuggets got this in the bag. They are the better team. And at this point, it's just... I would love to see the Lakers win a couple more games because if they complete the sweep, I'm not going to see another game till next Thursday. So hopefully we get some more basketball. But yeah, I think the Nuggets got this in the bag. Yeah, um, I do think the Lakers can at least claim one game, but then that's it, you know? I'm not even entertaining this going to six, bro. And it's just crazy how... I believe we both said it's going to seven. I don't know who we picked. If I'm not mistaken, I think I picked the Lakers. I don't remember who you picked to win the series. But we both said it's going to go to seven. It's going to go either way. And for it to look like a sweep right now, it's disappointing. And now is when I'm going to go into the Lakers, bro. But I know we talk about the Lakers being bad, but it sucks to say this. It's a travesty for me to say this. You know how highly I rate LeBron. LeBron's not even one of my, like, top three favorite players. I gave you my top three just now. But I put respect on his name. I do think he's the greatest basketball player of all time. 
but this shit looks terrible. Regardless of age, this looks terrible, bro. This looks embarrassing right now. LeBron is embarrassing himself. Look how he's shooting from three-point, bro, from the, for the series. Three for 19. Three for 19. That's probably like, well, I don't want to do the math top of my head. That's probably like, what, 16, 15%? Terrible, bro. That's embarrassing. And, and the worst part is the ones that he's missing come in the clutch. In the clutch, you're, make, you're missing all these stupid-ass threes. Game one, you're missing these clutch threes, you know? In a, in, in, a, in a game that's so important where you could have stole game one, you're missing all these clutch shots. I understand you coming off an injury from the end of the season. You're old, you know? I've given LeBron benefit of the doubt so much. If he lost the series, I wouldn't even have been disappointed. But to get swept right now after how great this team's been playing is terrible. And there's nobody else to blame. I know you said AD didn't have like the greatest game too, whatever. Game one and three, he was incredible. Austin Reeves is averaging 20, I think like 22 points right now. Rui Hachimura is averaging near 20 right now. He's playing great. It falls on one guy, and that's LeBron James, bro. This is like probably the first time I've said this in a long time where like the blame is solely on him. Like that's the reason that the Lakers are losing right now. This is a championship team. And you are about to get swept in the conference finals where most of the media is picking you. The entire of like national media is picking LeBron and the Lakers to win. Not the Lakers period, LeBron and the Lakers, which we see all the time, you know? It's LeBron and Cole, LeBron and Cole. LeBron is the one who looks like company right now. That's what it looks like at this point. Because it's like you have all these role players playing great for you. And what are you doing? You're not showing up. You're not showing up at all. You're making your team worse when it comes to the fourth quarter when you're launching these three-pointers. And for what? For what? Who, who's going to take the blame for this? Not Darvin Ham. Can't be AD. Can't blame the role players. You can't blame Rui. You can't blame Reeves because they show out. They're really showing out. And I never thought I would say this like ever in my life, but there's only one guy you pin this on, and that's LeBron. Save your dignity, though. Win one game. Win one game. That's that. That's how much I lowered my standards. I went from saying, you know what, you're gonna win this series in seven games and be the champions at at the end of at the end of the season to just win one game, win one game in the conference finals, and that's disappointing. That is disappointing and that's embarrassing. Uh, through all the circumstances of the season, you know, this was a team that was a lottery team. You know, at the All Star break. People was all laughing. Damn, the Pelicans are going to make the playoffs and keep the Lakers picked. They're going to get Wemby and go to the playoffs without even missing the playoffs themselves. Make all these crazy hover overhauls at the trade deadline. Team goes great. I don't want to hear the excuse of they don't have time to gel. Well, guess what? They just beat the defending champs and they beat the two seed. So what's the excuse? What is the excuse for his team besides being outplayed? Like it's time to just give the Nuggets their respect at this point. The Nuggets are just better. Jokic is looking like one of the best players of all time. Just in the series. Alright? Like, he just looks incredible. Jamal Murray is, is flaming you. He is flaming the entire Lakers, bro. Whoever they throw on him, he is cooking them. Cooking them. I don't even want to talk about the offseason yet. Because we'll talk about what the Lakers can do, as we said, with all the other teams after the series is over. I'm not giving them that special treatment right now to be like, oh, um... Add Kyrie. Add Kyrie. Once they get Kyrie, blah, 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 everything's going to be perfect. They'll be the 2024 champions. We're not doing that right now. What we're doing is we're talking about why the Lakers is playing so ass, bro. 
Let me not say ass, but why they're disappointing us. Because they're playing good throughout the whole game, but in the fourth quarter, LeBron wants to think that he's the best three-point shooter of all time. All that to sabotage his team, bro. All that just to sabotage his team. Like, what do you what do you think is the problem, Justin? Is it just LeBron? Is it someone else? What else is there to it? Uh, for the Lakers, man, it's just really hard to come up with an answer for Jokic and the Nuggets. LeBron has been really bad. Like game two when he went up for that for that dunk and he lost the ball. <laughs> that shit was Jesus. funny because it was like, when do we ever see that? But and yeah. the steal. Sorry to interrupt you. And the steal in the yeah. clutch and you missed the layup. Yeah, he missed the layup too. And then he was just going for a, a lot of threes. There was one point where he took a three, and the Nuggets came back and scored, and then he got the ball back, threw up another three and missed, and then the Nuggets scored on the other end. So. Just stuff like that. It's just decision-making at the end of the day. And I th- I think in that game, game two, he was 0 for 6 from 3. And I saw a stat. I, I don't remember. I think it said he's he's like 1 for 20 from 3 in the fourth quarters of the playoff games. So it's just being able to make decisions and execute them down the stretch. Stop shooting yourselves in the foot. Because that's really what it comes down to in a lot of these games. The Lakers just end up shooting themselves in the foot. So you just got to clean up the, the turnovers and make better decisions. Trust your guys. Like, it's year 20 when I'm not expecting LeBron to take over games. But at this point, you've been in so many playoff games. You have the experience. You know what to do. So, like, for me, I feel like that's out of character of LeBron to just fucking jack up threes and settle and then, allow the other team to come back into the game so i would just just come down to just um yeah just executing your game plan being smart and just taking care of the basketball that's really your only shot because i feel like the lakers haven't been playing horrible like they're in these games like every game has been close they haven't been blown out so it's just it just comes down to just getting these stops Limiting the turnovers and making good decisions. LeBron, I know you said you don't expect him to take over anymore, but when you're that caliber of a player, even though you are um, 38 years old, if I'm not, yeah, he's 38 right now. Even though you are 38 and you are coming off an injury, I still expect you to to turn up for one game. Mm-hmm. We've been saying this throughout since we started the podcast. You know, I'm not saying yeah. LeBron has to turn it on every single game because at that age. But you know when you have to turn it on, yep. and you still haven't done it. Yeah, I'm not saying LeBron. All these three games, you should turn it up. You should look like 2018 LeBron. I'm not expecting that. But I'm saying for one out of these three games, you should have turned up and been like the old LeBron, just for just for a little bit, just for a little bit, just turn back the clock because you don't have to do that every single game. And it's like with all these missed threes, bro. He looks like a young LeBron when he's shooting these threes. He's shooting as bad as a young. You know, first stint Cleveland Cavaliers LeBron, bro. That's how bad it looks. It looks terrible. It looks terrible on him, bro. It's it's embarrassing and and immediately, you know, this is gonna this is gonna go, you know, this is gonna tear him down the GOAT debate. For me, no matter what, he's staying where he is. I know for a lot of people, whether he's one or two or whatever, he's staying where it is, regardless of this. But this is like is this a stain, Justin? Like, be honest. I know he's old. I don't even know whether it counts as a stain or not because it's not even over yet. 
Like, if it's in five, it's embarrassing, whatever. But if it's a sweep, bro, that's a whole nother level of embarrassment. Is this a stain on his career before we even move on? Just real, real quick. Like, what his legacy is, though? I mean, I mean, if you want to, you could say, because, like, some people would say, nah, but then if he wins this and go to the finals, we would add it to the legacy. So it's like, I guess you can say it, but it's not, like, a significant, like, because I feel like I, I feel like he's already passed all the significant, like, stains to his legacy. I feel like all the big stains to his legacy would have been during the Miami days and the second stint Cleveland days. But he's already passed those moments. At this point, it's just, like, he's just adding on to it. That's how I and feel. I feel like at this point, like, him losing to the Nuggets in round three when we didn't even think they would make it this far, I'm not... I'm not gonna be thinking about that shit ten years from now. Like, oh yeah, remember when you got swept by the Nuggets in 2023? I'm not gonna be thinking about that. So yeah, I guess to like all the LeBron haters out there, they'll be using that shit. But to me, it's not really like a big stain. Like, yeah, I, I know, I know exactly what you mean. I feel the same way. It's kind of like you're adding. Does it suck that he's losing in this fashion? Yeah, it's a little bit embarrassing. Yeah, but. Like you said, at this point, you can only add on to your resume. Yeah. But speaking about embarrassments, I understand the Lakers series looks very embarrassing for them, the way that they're losing. But let's be real, at the start of the season, we didn't expect this because they still had Russell Westbrook. We said it's going to be a lottery team. Let's talk about the team that just went to the finals last year, and they're on the verge of getting swept by the same team that they beat last year, bro. The Boston Celtics. The Boston Celtics. Man, I'm going to let you start because I have a lot of words for the Boston Celtics. Well, yeah, game three. Well, actually, let me start with game two, actually. So, game two, Miami Heat. This was a fun game. Uh, Boston had control whole way. Tatum really stepped. Well, he had his 34. He was looking really good in this game. And um, you know the Miami Heat. They're always a runaway, I feel like. Um just when you feel like the other team is pulling away, Miami makes the little run, and they always come back into the game. And after game one, I was just like, I think Grant Williams should get more minutes. And game two, he got more minutes. And he was really good in those minutes <laughs> until he started talking shit. To yeah, Jimmy. I mean, he gets clowned, but, like, let's be real. He did, he did play good, though. No, I'm not I'm not going to clown him. No, no, no. I know. You're correct because I'm glad that you started off with that he played good not because yet. so he, many people are he, saying, oh, he played he's a really, bomb. He, he played really good in his minutes. I thought him talking shit to Jimmy when he hit that three was kind of like, <laughs> why? But he did play really good. Um, to, I just want to say to all the people out there, if you think game two is Grant Williams' fault, you're stupid. Like, he played really good in that game. Like he gave the the Celtics a new life, new energy, and he was guard, he was playing good D on Jimmy Butler. It's just Jimmy Butler is a fucking maniac. So like he's just one of the ones. He's gonna he's just like that. So you can't really you can't put the blame on Grant Williams. That's fucking stupid. Like he's one of the the guys on the Celtics that's actually playing with heart and like busting his ass. He he kept them in this game. Like he had them in there. But yeah. The Celtics just started folding in the fourth quarter. Jimmy Butler was having his way, and Bam had a big game, too. 22 points, 17 rebounds, 9 assists, 1 assist away from a triple-double. He was really active in this game. He was getting after it. Yeah, the the, Celt- the Miami, he just took one in game two. And then after game two, I was like, damn, this is this looks really bad on Boston. But I'm like, 
maybe back against the wall going back to Miami. This is a, they must they this is a must win going back to Miami. And game three was just a fucking blowout. Like there was I think after the first quarter, it was an eight point game, um, Miami's way. But then after that, Miami just took over and they were just running away with the game. Like this shit was over by like like start of the third quarter, this shit was over. And it was embarrassing too because Jimmy Butler had 16 points and Bam had 13. And they beat these motherfuckers like by 30 damn near. And when you have Gabe Vincent scoring 29, it's like, yo, you deserve to lose at that point. And then Duncan Robinson gave the Heat 22 off the bench. Like, I know we talked about the the Miami Heat role players and stuff and how they're lacking in that department. But they came to play in, in these games. They've been coming out to play. And on Boston's side, like, Tatum, 14 points in this game, in this game three, that's not going to cut it. Like, six for 18, that's not going to cut it. Jalen Brown, 12 points, six for 17, that's not going to cut it. Like, in this game, like, Grant Williams and Robert Williams are, like, the only bright spots for the Celtics in this whole game. And I couldn't even, I couldn't even watch this game. Like, that's how bad it was. But... Those two guys were the best Celtics on the floor last night. And Missoula, man. That was the one thing I had, like, in the se- Like, for me, for the Heat, the one, like, chance that I gave them in this series was just the coaching battle. Because if you're going to get into, like, a coaching back-and-forth battle between Missoula and Spolstra, I'm taking Spolstra every time and twice on Sundays. I'm doing that every time. But yeah, this is really bad for the Celtics. I thought they would. I thought they had this series in seven. That was my prediction. I had the Celtics in seven. But this goes to show you that the Miami Heat is just—they're just, they're just the, the tougher team. I don't even want to say they're the better team. They're the tougher team, and they're the better coach team at the moment. And the Celtics—they just look like they don't give a fuck. Like they don't even care. Like aside from Grant Williams and Robert Williams. They're just walking around like they kind you kind of sense that they felt like this game was over and they're not really in touch with each other. So this is just a bad way to go out. I hope they could wake up. But Miami's just they're just those dogs over there. Every that whole team, they just got fighters and credit to them. They really proved everybody wrong. This whole series, this whole playoffs. They've been giving it to everybody. I do want to say the Knicks gave them the hardest fight, but that's a story for another day. But, yeah, shout-out to Miami. They, they've been taking care of business when everybody was writing them off. Yeah, I definitely want to even focus on Spo. I understand Jimmy's, like, the, the star of the team, but, like, it feels like Spo is really the star of the Heat, bro. He is the star player. And I'm going to say right now, Eric Spolscher is a top-five coach of all time. I don't think that's something crazy to say because you have Jimmy, Bam. I understand they're two all-stars. Guess what? As a team, I had to check right now because it feels like they're making every three. They're shooting 48% from three right now. Celtics are shooting 29%. You got Gabe Vincent, Caleb Martin, Max Strews all throwing up their threes. Duncan Robinson all throwing up their threes, making them. And it's like you said Bam had a great game too, right? Game three wasn't was pretty poor of him, you know? They still won. Jimmy, it's not Jimmy Butler dropping 50. That's not the reason why they're winning. Spo is just out coaching everybody. 
that's a real all-time great coach right there. You know? Not no Doc Rivers, who just got fired, by the way. But that's a real, real, real top five coach ever. Because let's be real. How many people can we name that's better than him all time? Pop, Phil, uh, Pat Riley. I think he's better than Steve Kerr. I think he's much better than Steve Kerr. I mean, do you want to give it to Chuck Daly? Maybe. But, like, it's like how many coaches really better than Eric Spolstra all time? Not too many. Not too many. I'm enough that you could count on one hand. And I think this is what's so cool about the Miami Heat. Yes, Jimmy's the front man. He's the star guy, you know. But it feels like Eric Spolstra is really the star of the show because of how much of a genius he is right now in these playoffs. You said it yourself, you know. Like, the Knicks gave him the toughest fight so far, it looks like. That's crazy. That's just crazy because where do we see the Heat at, at the start of the podcast? We said the Heat could take two games from Milwaukee, and that's it. We're about to see an eight to go of the finals for the first time since the Knicks did it over 20 years ago. We might see the first eight to win a championship. That is insane. We are watching history right now. And to move on to the Celtics, because I've, I've given the Heat their praise, they, they've done amazing. They've done amazing. Like, their three-point shooters like look like the best fucking three-point shooters of all time right now. But to move on to the Celtics, I'm disappointed. I believe I said Celtics in six. I said, you know, like the Heat, like magical run is going to end at this point. To lose to the Heat, fine. It's the same thing with the Lakers. To lose, fine. But on the verge of getting swept, this is what pisses me off about the Celtics right now. Because you just went to the finals. I've said it numerous times. I don't believe I said it on the pod yet, but I've said it numerous times. This is the perfect team. This is the perfect basketball team, bro. Everybody plays defense. Anybody can take the ball and score. You have two great stars, and they're both wings. The most important position to me in basketball is not the point guard. It's a small forward to me. Because how many how many championship teams have we seen with an average small forward instead of an all-time great small forward? Not too many. The wings, shooting guard and small forward, of course, the wings are the most important positions in ball to me. Yeah. You got two of the best ones. They're both young. None of them are even close to cracking 30 yet. And guess what? You're, you're, you're not playing as good. You know how I feel about Jalen Brown. All those fucking times I said Jalen Brown is better than Tatum. All those times I said that. Jalen Brown, you're making me look fucking stupid right now. And that's what's so disappointing right now. You're not even averaging 20 points right now. You're getting cooked. You're getting cooked on both sides of the ball. This is supposed to be, you know, a team of elite defenders, and you're getting cooked by everybody. You're getting cooked respectfully. When I say it's respectfully, you're getting cooked by role players from the three-point line. You were supposed to go to the finals and win a championship. I, I said, you know, only two teams. I think only two teams are going to win the championship, and it's either going to be the Bucks or the Celtics. And it's about to be neither. It's really about to be neither team that goes to even touch the finals. Forget winning the fucking finals. Neither is going to touch the finals. And it's like, what what do the Celtics do from here? You have, the like I said, the perfect team. One through five, all elite defenders. You know, a lot of those guys who go one through five, they could score at will. You know, you could trust, you could give them the ball and trust them to score. You could, you could give them the ball and be like, make a play, get a bucket, you know? Not an elite level, but you could trust every single person. There's not really like a black hole type of guy. You're your role player, you have some deep role players. What more do the Celtics need? You have two of the top 15 guys in the league. One of them finished, I believe, like fourth in MVP voting. What more do you need? What else, what else do the Celtics need at this point? Because at this point, you're getting out hustled and you're getting out coached. Is it is it really? I know you mentioned you named John Missoula. 
who 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 else are you gonna throw in there at that point that's gonna outperform him as a coach? Because at this point, Spolstra's he's out coaching any coach in the league right now. You put any coach in Mozilla's position, I'm sorry, they're getting out coached too. I don't think there's any solution to this right now. But a sweep, a sweep to an eight seed, no, 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 no. We can't excuse that. That can't be excused. I'll say that right now. And like I saw a funny analogy the other day when there was only up two games, not even three games, only two games. It was something like, you know, like the Miami Heat is like the kid that don't do homework, but they get an A plus on the test without studying. Like, yeah. like they, it's like they didn't even try. They didn't even try in the regular season. Now look where they are. I hate that shit. And they're always in the conference finals. They're always getting this far with one star. Yes, Bam. Bam's like a lower tier all star, you know? Sometimes you don't even make it to an all-star team. But he's like a lower-tier all-star. I don't even think he's like close to like an all-NBA type of guy. And then you got Jimmy. And then you're facing the Celtics, bro. Why is this possible? Why? What? What is it that makes it like for the Heat to just do whatever the fuck they want in this entire playoffs? It's Spo. The answer is Spo. It's not about beating Jimmy. It's not about beating Bam. It's not about beating the guys. It's about beating Spo. Which sounds crazy because I would not say this about any other coach in the NBA right now. I wouldn't say this about too many coaches all time. This is about beating Eric Spolstra. Because look what he's doing with these role players. Look, look what he's doing. Gabe Vincent and Caleb Martin are both averaging nearly 20. Yes, they're they're good players. They're good role players. But they should not both be averaging nearly 20 points, bro. That is unacceptable. You know, I've, I've been saying this shit since round one. I'd be telling my brother's a Heat fan, and I'd, I'd be saying every game, I'm like, bro, there's no way Gabe Vincent should be scoring 20 points. And at this point, it's just like I'm just going to have to tip my hat off to Gabe Vincent because he's just proving me wrong this whole playoff run. So I'm just going to have to say shout-out to Gabe Vincent because he's every time I'm like, bro, he should not be doing that. He's not like that. And he proves me wrong every time. So shout-out to Gabe Vincent. And Caleb Martin, because he has some crazy moments, too. I feel like every time he touches the ball, it's going in. And like you said, how how should the Celtics, like, what should they do to, like, compete with the Heat? Or, like, what should they do going forward? I feel like what they're, la- what they're missing is um just that voice to, like, because last year they had Ime Udoka. And, yeah, they beat the Heat last year, but they're missing that voice that really got on them. And like that toughness, cause yeah, they had those years, those seven years with uh, or whatever, how long it was with Brad Stevens. Brad Stevens was a great coach, but you saw it towards the end, it started getting kind of stale. It's run its course, and then once Ime got there, it was a new voice. He got on the on his guys. He held them accountable. Joe Mazzula, he's been kind of like up and down. Like he has his good moments, but then he's had his really bad moments. Like in that Philly series, like. They almost lost that Philly series. Like, he didn't start making adjustments till like, game six. And if it wasn't for Tatum hitting big shots in game six and then going off in game seven, we don't even know if they'd be in the conference finals right now. So, yeah, Missoula's been questionable. I think they just need that that toughness in, the, in that locker room that just holds Tatum and Brown accountable. I know they got Marcus Smart, but, like, I, when it's player-to-player – I don't know how they really, especially when it's like a guy that's like 
this market smart. Like Tatum and Brown probably feel like, bro, like we're better than you. Like the same talk. age too. Yeah, same so about, it's like the same age. When you have like a guy like Haslam on the bench who's been there for twenty years, he he he's been to the finals, he's won championships, and he's talking to young guys. They're gonna feed into that. And when you have a coaching staff that's tough as shit, like Miami that Miami Heat coaching staff that's been together for a long time, even before Spolstra started coaching, he's been on that coaching staff for a long time. Even the 06 days when he was a video coordinator and stuff, he's been there. They all have their guys. So, yeah, I think the Celtics just, they need that toughness in that in that team. Like Grant Williams, he I feel like to me you got to keep that guy. Of course. I love Grant Williams. You got you have to keep him, despite what everybody says, like all the memes and stuff. He's the guy I would want on my team if I'm trying to win a chip. But yeah, they just gotta, they just gotta toughen up that infrastructure and just, and just be built with shit. Because I feel like Miami's just filled with dogs. Like the whole team, like everybody's tough. Nobody's backing down. Like you saw Al Horford doing the celebration and shit when they're up, and Jimmy Butler's not afraid. He's talking shit when they're down. He's doing the shit back. Like, it's like Jimmy Butler is like the fucking bully, and the Celtics are like, they're scared to even like fight back. They're just like, Jimmy Butler's like, yo, give me your lunch money. And they're like, okay. Like, <laughs> like that's really how it feels right now. And I think, yeah, the Celtics just need to toughen up and fight back, but they're just rolling over, which is embarrassing. I never thought I'd see this from the Celtics. Um, man, that, 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 was, that was pretty funny. I mean, as I said before, like Jalen Brown, who I who I said was gonna win the the Larry Bird Award, man, underperforming, underperforming. I don't know what this team, what adjustments this team makes. Like again, I'm gonna keep saying, you lose whatever, but to get swept, that's different. At that point, you reevaluate what you're doing. Philly just lost in seven. I said, blow it up. They did the good thing. They did the the best decision they can make right now, which was fire Doc Rivers. I don't know where they move on from there. I don't know. What the Celtics can do, of course, as a Jalen Brown fan, praying on the Celtics' downfall so that he could go leave and get his own team. But what what do you even move him for? I don't know. I really don't know what what you replace him with that you make your team better. And at this point, like if I'm the Celtics, of course I want JB to be his own his own guy as a as a JB fan. But you have to keep them together because there's no like real alternative that's gonna make you better. At this point, you got embarrassed. You got put over the knee. You got you got spanked on live TV. What else is there really left for the Celtics to do? I don't think there's really anything. At this point, you have this great core. You've built this great core through drafting. You built a, an incredible team. I'll keep saying it, what's supposed to be on paper, the perfect team. But I don't know what else you could do without making a big-ass move. I don't think, you know, Missoula's as bad of a coach as a lot of people are saying. I think a lot of people are just frustrated. He's a pretty good coach. A lot of people are saying, oh, if this was E-May, this wouldn't be happening. I don't think so, you know, because the role players just look so much better from the Heat this year than they did last year. Is that because of Missoula's coaching? I don't know. I don't think so, you know? I don't think so. But I don't know what's left for the Celtics to do after this. I really don't know. You've, you've stuck with this core for, what, six, five years? Let's count, let's count the core as when Jalen Brown was drafted. You know, it's been six years. You cracked it through the finals one time. You've been in the conference finals basically every year besides, like, 
No, they made it in the bubble. They, you've made the conference finals like every single year. Except for 2021 and 2019. Oh, 2019. I forgot that loss. I forgot 2019. So you every year, basically, in the conference finals, you're always in the mix besides two years. So it's like four out of six years you've been in the conference finals or the finals, of course. What else is there to advance, you guys? I don't know. You've just been embarrassed on live TV. There's nothing more to do. Um, unlike the Lakers, where I say, like, if you win a game, like, save your dignity. I don't think you're saving your dignity winning a game, Boston. I'll be real with you. Yeah. Because you're supposed to be in the finals. You are supposed to go to the finals. If it wasn't Milwaukee, it had to have been you. Once Milwaukee was out, I said, man, Celtics are going to the finals. You can't even do that. Like you said, they barely edged out Philly. They barely edged out Philly. After If they lost that series with how Harden and Embiid were like playing, you know, kind of off, on and off, on and off, and to a Doc Rivers-led team, then I would have said blow it up immediately same thing the same philly treatment but i don't know what to do about the celtics i'm gonna keep it real with you but that's enough for the conference finals i do want to talk about the mvps of the week i told you outside in the car there's really only two candidates i'll give the distant third place guy their respect since the series just started i'm gonna give you series you know series averages because you know that's that's all the games i've been playing the last week jamal murray has been averaging 35 7 and 5 Jokic is averaging 27, 11, and 14. And the guy who I think is a distant third, not because he's not playing as good. He's playing phenomenal. But these guys, these two Nuggets players are just playing on a whole nother level. Jimmy Butler is averaging 26, 7, and 3. I'm going to be real with you. The way I'm going to ask you is which Nuggets star is the MVP of the week? Because respect to Jimmy, you're just a distant third. Mm. Man, the way it's tough, man, to choose between Jokic and Murray. Because I want to go, because that game, too, was crazy from, from Murray. He had, what, like 23 in, what, the fourth quarter or something? He was dominant. He's dominant every game. Yeah, that shit was crazy. Like, he was just showing why he's, like, one of them guys. And then Jokic, the whole series, has just been, like, having his way. I think I'm going to go with, I'm going to go with Jamal Murray, just because, I don't know if what if uh, nah I'm not gonna say I'm not gonna be fucked up but I'm like who knows if he'll get another MVP of the week out out of me next year's playoffs maybe he will maybe he will but but he just seems like a playoff guy that's yeah it, you know? um, yeah I'm gonna just go with Jamal Murray for this week um yeah that game too when he went crazy in the fourth quarter and I, I I know a few Laker fans that were like bro when the fuck did, did Jamal Murray decide to be this good I'm like bro he's just like that in the playoffs like this isn't a fluke like the bubble. Was not a fluke. He's like this in the playoffs. Um, yeah, he went crazy in game two in that fourth quarter. And then game three, going for 30 in the first half, bro. I thought, I was like, yo, he might go for 50. Yeah, I thought like, he was going to score 50. I dead ass thought he was going to score 50. I know. It, it, was, it was crazy. I know he slowed down in that second half, but it was like, bro, he really set the tone from like early on. Like, I'm trying to put these motherfuckers away. And then you had Jokic in the second half to rely on to pull pull that game away. So, I'm going to give it to Jamal Murray, just really out there shining and proving to all the haters that this shit was not a fluke, and he's really like that. So, yeah, I'm going to give it to Jamal Murray. I'm also going to give it to Jamal Murray because, like I said from the start of the series, the key to, to the key to stopping the Nuggets in the playoffs is not stopping Jokic, it's stopping Jamal Murray. I didn't even expect him to average 35, bro. I thought he was going to average like 28, you know, 27, 28, which would have been incredible, you know? 
That would have been a, he would be a great player. But right now, he again is don't mean he is one of the best players in the world right now. But like in this moment in the series, he's making it look like he's like a top player right now. And he's just a playoff riser. There's not too many people who are playoff risers like that, and especially not to this degree. Like maybe Jimmy Butler, but Jimmy Butler, you know, in the regular season is still all star. Jamal Murray is like a lower all like lower tier all star in the regular season, but in the playoffs, he looks elite. He looks unfuckwittable, you know. So I'm gonna give him the MVP of the week. Kind of like you said, also like when are we gonna see this again? Probably like next April that he wins MVP of the week. To be honest with you, uh, Jokic has a lot of time to win them. But yeah, definitely for me, gotta be Jamal Murray. Respect to Jokic. Of course, respect to Jimmy Butler, too, who has been playing a great series against one of the best teams in the NBA. Definitely gotta be Jamal Murray, though. But um, that wraps it up for J&J for the day. Next week, you know, we will see you guys next time, potentially for the finals preview. Because at this point, it's looking like a sweep from both sides. Yeah. See you guys. I feel like Mazula got ice on my dribble. <laughs>